one of the first things I like to focus on with people is to say, look, what energy are you giving money, wealth? And because if you are negative and you're focusing on the negatives, which we sometimes tend to do naturally, then that's just going to bring in more of that same emotion. And it's very hard to flip that then and to focus on the positive. So every single person I know who's high net wealth, um, they don't even give money and energy. They don't actually even think about it. It's a transactional thing for them. Are we able to do it? Do the figures stack up? Yes or no? If it does, we do it. If it doesn't, we don't. And it's just that simple for them. And then it becomes a flow for them quite easily. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Oh, guys, welcome to this week's self-love podcast. I am so excited to be sharing with you a very precious friend today. Jodie Nolan is one of Australia's most admired and respected financial advisors. She's a best-selling author and a corporate presenter. She is the mastermind behind the Equus Group revolutionary approach to financial education, her passion for finance and talent for communicating the often, you know, let's face it, arduous jargon that has made Um, finances seem scary or overwhelming is also what's made her so sought after in the media, financial journalism and speaking area. I'm just, I'm really excited to share this with you because I truly believe that wealth and financial abundance and understanding how our finances work right through from budgeting through to Excel spreadsheets with assets and liabilities through to understanding the Dow Jones or the ASX 100, whatever it is, This woman makes it exciting, enlightening. She puts love and heart into the conversation. And I just know that you're going to really enjoy today's podcast. I personally really love how she talks about the small um, steps and how we can actually become more consciously aware and the energy that we give to money really matters and creates a ripple effect into all areas of our lives So guys, she is an author and she is a beautiful uh, writer for a number of financial journals. She's extraordinary. She's here on the Sunshine Coast. I feel proud to call her a friend. She has two beautiful children and she is considered Australia's premier trading and investment um, literary uh, contributor to the magazine as the expert geopolitical commentator. You are going to love this woman. Don't be afraid of this topic. Really embrace it. And let's see, let's see within each of us how we can bring about a beautiful positive energy to the topic of money, finances, and wealth. I hope you enjoy the show, guys. So as you can hear from the introduction, the beautiful Jodie Nolan is not only a a really precious friend, but my goodness, she is someone who I really look up to, and particularly not only as a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, but someone who is very specialized in a topic that, you know, not many of us are taught very well, and that is all around financial wealth, happiness, and well-being. So welcome to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful Jodie. Oh, thank you for having me. Such a lovely intro. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, it is such a treat not only to interview people that are so clever like you, but also someone who I know personally. And it's a real honor to share my friends with this audience. It's a beautiful audience, people who are always on a quest um, for better growth, more personal development, 
um, more awareness and expansion of love and health and wellness. And I just would love to start off, my beautiful girl, what is your definition of self-love? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's the ability to recognise that you need to sometimes put yourself first. Um, you know, we, as, especially as mothers, we can get caught up in um, putting everybody else before our own needs. And, and in my mind, that whole thing about self-love is to stop and say, you know, how am I doing? What, what's happening for me? How's my body feeling? How's my mind feeling? Um, and if you're not in a place where, you know, you, you feel really good about yourself or you're feeling really energetic and thriving, then the idea of self-love is just to stop and ask what it is that you need. Um, I see a lot of people who don't stop and ask the questions. You know, they don't, um, they don't even give it consideration. I remember years ago you said something to me about you being a professional self-love reminder. <laughs> And I loved that because um, this sort of podcast is my opportunity to stop and say, okay, yeah, that's right. I need to put more focus into that. Yeah, it's pretty special, isn't it? And it's that thing you just said, awareness. Sometimes we're not even aware we need it because life is so exhausting and can yeah. be so compelling and so over-the-top busy. But before we get right into all of this, sweetheart, can you just give us a little bit of a background as to who you are for those that don't know you and what led you to being who you are today? Yeah, yep. So my name is Jodie Nolan. Um, I'm an economist by trade got a master's degree in um, applied finance and 25 years in the finance industry as an advisor. So um, I sort of started my career out in law and found that to be quite boring um, when I saw other people in Brisbane City driving, you know, fancy cars and and, I, and they seemed to be the movers and the shakers of the world and um, I ended up getting a position within that big firm in Brisbane and started my studying towards financial uh, education, that sort of stuff. I think I maybe was about 19, 20 and I'm mid-40s now. So, yeah, that sort of started my foray into the journey of, of finance and being a male-dominated industry, um, and I'm also blonde, <laughs> which didn't help. Um, uh, you know, I'd often go to conferences and be the only girl or just a handful of women there. And so I always felt like I had to study harder, be better, faster, stronger than my colleagues um, to, to climb that corporate ladder. I became... Um, you know, one of the top advisors in the country for a big four bank and was was in that position for a few years and then had the opportunity to open up um, a financial planning firm on the Sunshine Coast about a year before the GFC hit. And, um, and at that time, you know, I had built my wealth significantly myself, uh, self-funded, and, um, yeah, then the GFC hit and lost millions. And at the time... Um, that happened. Um, I was in hospital having my daughter. So I wasn't in a position to be able to mitigate any of the losses either. And it went on to become Australia's biggest corporate collapse. So all of that why I had a newborn. Um, yeah. And then that sort of is the stuff of, of um, public knowledge now. But to, to build your wealth and then lose it through divorce, build your wealth and lose it in the GFC, you know, to, to constantly build again 
a little bit different now because I'm a mother of two and solo parenting again. So I understand more than many what it's like to um, to have and then to lose and then to have to rebuild. So that's sort of something I focus on a lot now is helping people rebuild. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because many of us, and I think one of the most beautiful um, I guess motivation in life is to constantly try new things or a new career or gone are the days where you're with a company for 40 years and you got the gold watch and your retirement. And also I've noticed, Jody, is how much women have changed over the years that so many of us in our generation now are working women. We have young kids, there's daycares, there's, you know, what do you think is the balance? What do you think is right? Or do you even have an opinion on what's right as far as women in the workforce are concerned? Yeah, that's such a loaded question, but I love it because um, I get, I'm in a privileged position like you where we get to meet a lot of professional women and um, a lot of my clients stay-at-home mums and I don't see too much of a difference between the juggle and the balance for any woman, to be brutally honest. Um, it's just different varying scales of trying to find a balance. So um, for me, that, that's an eternal juggle. You know, uh, I think that there's this innate thing within us where we're constantly feeling guilty. You know, we're feeling guilty, which is why I love your podcast because, you know, we feel guilty because taking that time out to look after ourselves feels selfish. Um, And, you know, if you're working in your business, then you're not with your children. If you're not with your children, then, you know, that makes you feel guilty. There's, There's just this constant struggle to try and find that balance. Um, and, yeah, so my, my thoughts on that I think is this evolving thing. Um, I think sometimes in our lives uh, family will take precedent and then other times creating wealth and striving for goals, um, whether they're health or wealth goals um, or personal development goals, those sorts of things. But every single stage uh, a different thing will come to the fore. So um, there's been times when, you know, my whole focus has been around building business or my f- whole focus has been around, you know, nurturing newborns um, and everything else can go hang. So, yeah, I just think that that balance is elusive. I, um, I, To be brutally honest, I don't think I've ever met a person, man or woman, who believes they've got the most perfect balance. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. And it's something that I think is maybe not even attainable. I mean, the word balance, what is it? And some days I feel completely in balance with everything and yet the world feels chaotic and then other days everything seems in order and I feel anything but balanced. And I think, like you say, it's a personal it's a personal approach and I think it has something to do with attitude. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you have managed with your attitude through life and you've hit some pretty big bumps and roadblocks and you've had some pretty big challenges in front of you and it's never really about the balance of it but more about how you choose to move and grow through those. Talk to us a little bit about some of your bigger challenges and how you've managed to navigate and keep yourself whole and still with a sense of humour and and like you say at the beginning, rebuilding. Mm. Yeah, look, it's... um... I used to talk a lot about this um, after we lost everything in the GFC and I worked really hard to liquidate assets and not go bankrupt, which took about four years. Um, It's hard not to be jaded. It's hard not to be pissed off. 
it's and you know it's hard not to be angry at the world as to why this happened you know so you do go into a woe is me and this isn't fair and I'm a good person and why does this happen to people you know um and you I think I personally feel um I was shattered for everybody around me as well because it, there was this contagion of it effect that uh, it affected every single person I loved um and so I was more gutted for everybody around me and because I had a newborn as well I felt robbed of um being able to enjoy you know bringing them home from the hospital and, and all that sort of stuff when I've got 60 minutes camped on my doorstep so I felt really annoyed and, and pissed off I think is the easiest way to say it and I was like that for a while and I think it's okay for us to go through phases where we we don't just gloss over things and say she'll be right um, I've got this all together and all going on I think we need to feel the different um, phases of grief so for me um, and it was a grieving process because it was my whole life and it was my career and everything was upended it was all gone um, and then I was facing the challenge of, of of being a new mother and had sleepless nights, and so it was all just compounded. Um, it, it's really at that time I remember people like yourself coming around and saying, "Listen, you know, we've got your back if you need anything." I really needed to lean on everybody around that time um, and take comfort in people who said to me, "You know, you're allowed to feel the way you're feeling, and and this too shall pass." And in hindsight now, years later, um, I realised that um, I bounce back a little bit quicker than most, I think, and it's because I try to have like that attitude of gratitude. So what is it that I can be grateful for when I feel like I've got nothing to be happy about? So um, I just break it down and, and I still have to do that today, to be brutally honest, Kim. I have to... You know, um, I do it for my clients as well when we're sitting there in tears because something might have happened to, to them in their situation and, and I'm trying to find solutions for them. Um, I break it down into bite-sized chunks and say, okay, well, what, where's the positives here? You know, um, what else is possible? What else could we be doing? And, and I think that that's a really good attitude to have. So when your back is against a wall and you feel like there's no hope, um, you need to, my thoughts are, if you don't have the hope, that's where the big problem is. So I and hope to me is what else is possible. So that's where I sort of start with. I try and find solutions and I become solutions focused, not problems focused, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think that's something that we admire so much about you. And and no matter what, you keep showing up with that smile on your face, even though we both know, you know, there's been times when you've been lying on your bathroom floor and yep. wondering how the hell you're going to find the energy to pick yourself up again. Yep. Tell me a little bit then, you know, this is a topic that not many women talk about and, you know, and this is not a sexist conversation or a gender-orientated, loaded um, approach, but it tends to be, generally speaking, the man-hunter-gatherer, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, man, hunter, gatherer, woman, nurturer, nourisher at home. Yeah. These days, though, it's very different. And because of the costs of living and the way we're going, how has finance, how do you give finance, for want of a better word, a more feminine energy and a real love of money and building wealth and integrating that into the masculine and also holding that space for our children to grow up knowing whether they're a male or a female that wealth is possible for all. 
Yeah, brilliant question. So that's like, that's my whole ethos, to be to be honest, um, because uh, money has an energy all of its own. We don't need to give it an energy. And every single person I meet, that's one of the first things I'll say is what energy do you give it? Do you have a, a scarcity, lack of mindset or, or a feeling around it? So if if I was to come in and look at somebody's situation, are they filled with dread because they don't actually know where anything is, they don't know their super balances, they don't know um, how, how they're going to pay their credit cards and it becomes overwhelming, that they're giving it an energy. And, and when you start to break down the whole money wealth situation, it's really just a transaction um, and you can remove the emotion from it. So you give a value and in return you get a, a goods or a service. So it's really just a transactional value thing. So when you pay money on your home loan, that's just a transaction and yet we give it this energy to make it mean so much more than it, than it is. So, and it's the same as when we work for money, where we give it this, oh, God, I have to go to work again today, oh, you know, or, um, you know, um, uh, I'm not earning enough and I'm not able to do the things that I want to do. So one of the first things I like to focus on with people is to say, look, what, what energy are you giving money, wealth? And because if you are negative and you're focusing on the negatives, which we sometimes tend to do naturally, then that's just going to bring in more of that same emotion. And it's very hard to, to flip that then and to focus on the positive. So every single person I know who's high net wealth, um, they don't even give money and energy. They don't actually even think about it. It's a transactional thing for them. Are we able to do it? Do the figures stack up, yes or no? If it does, we do it. If it doesn't, we don't. Um, and it's just that simple for them. And then it, bec- and then it becomes a, f- a flow for them quite easily. Um, around that topic too, we also have the issues of, um, you know, like how we were brought up as children. And that imprints on us from a really early age. So I think as, so for something that I'm conscious of with my children is not giving them any scarcity mindset that I might have grown up with. Um, so we're trying not to. So, and that's not about, you know, constantly saying we can't afford this, you know, um, we need to go without or, we, you know, those sorts of things. It's more just about making them aware of what else is possible. So, um, you know, and that is the value of the dollar. So, for instance, in their generation, they can do currency exchange in their in their minds. <laughs> they just rattle it off. So they play a game called Roblox and they buy Roblox and in their minds, they can convert Roblox to Australian dollars to US dollars in 30 seconds. So that's a that's a foreign exchange type calculation that they're doing in their brains that our children are growing up with now. Um, so it, it's a whole new generation for them. They're going to be not dealing with tangible money. They'll be dealing with blockchains and, and um, that sort of thing. So we need to set them up so that they're not fearful of of wealth they're not fearful of change to financial systems um and they're they're smart enough to navigate around that and to me the only way we can do that is to bring more of more awareness and it's not just the old school masculine energy of this is how it's always been done for the last 60 years so this is how we're going to continue to do it because as things change and we move forward we are going to see massive changes with our financial systems um, and those that will embrace change will do really well and those that struggle against it will, will really struggle. 
So, and yeah, part of that is just they're bringing awareness, which I think women, particularly well, not just women, but the feminine energy, that light, um, nurturing, that softness, um, that is what this sort of thing will be crucial for to embrace the change. Interesting, you know, growing up, my my mum's and and her my mum and her generation was, you know, buy a house, pay off the mortgage, and you, you spend twenty thirty years paying off the mortgage. There was never conversations for me growing up around investment properties or what was possible to um, look outside even of property or understand shares or look at. Um, you know, different tradings and things like that. There was just never that conversation based on her upbringing. That's understandable. Plus she had me at 17. So I look at that now and I think, are we lacking um, education in the schooling system around wealth? I did accounting and economics at school. I passed. I passed it because I had to do it, not (laughs) because I loved it. It didn't appeal to me, yet the way you talk about money and some of the other people and other guests that I look forward to having on the show um, talk about it with such passion and excitement in the same way I talk about food and health. And (laughs) How do we get that passion? Where does it come from? And if it's not at school, how do we educate ourselves? Yeah, so, yeah, definitely it's not at school, that's for sure. Um, I was part of a board that was put together to try and change financial literacy in Australia and we just came up against so many um, bureaucratic you know roadblocks it became ridiculous but um, it, look the three things that keep everyone awake at night is is uh, problems is health problems money problems and relationship problems they're the three things so if you think of all your dramas on your plate at the moment they'll go into one of those three categories and yet none of those three things are taught at school we're not taught adequately how to interact with each other at school, you know, in relationships. We're not taught adequately about health and wellness and certainly not finances either. So um, it says if we don't get that at school, we have to have it at home. And you're right, we, we, we're, we're, um, we're raised in particular family environments, socioeconomic environments, and we will often continue those same patterns into our own adulthood. Um, recognising the shortcomings is, is the start. Um, but the um, moving our children into the understanding more and trying to get them excited about things, I think it really just comes down to moving away from um, just saying it's a, a wealth thing and moving more to uh, your why so in business, people focus a lot on the why of business. Why are you doing this? Um, and I think if we, let's just wipe the slate clean on our own financial situation and just say, why are we building wealth? Why do, what is that for me? Um, why do you want investment properties? Why are we going to work nine to five? Why are we striving? You know, if you could just write down your why, so that might be, you know, children through private school. It might be you need to upgrade the car, but why do you need to upgrade the car? You know, well, because I don't want to worry that um, we're going to conk out on the side of the road on a dark night one night because the car's 10-year-old, you know, or I'd really love to get in the car and feel that nice smell every morning because it's new. (laughs) Or, you know, maybe your why might be um, my parents couldn't retire early and I would like to or for me my why comes down to um, I, I love being philanthropic you know um, I, I love the idea that I can just 
transfer some money into someone's account and they don't know where it comes from and, you know, or a GoFundMe page comes up and I can just flick money to it. Um, that to me lights me up and and for me I also have a why behind a legacy. Um, I don't want to leave this planet, this lifetime, without feeling like I've left a legacy. I need to feel like I've made a difference in people's lives and so that, so every time things get hard for me, I just go back to my why. And people who struggle with their finances um, have, are often not clear on the why. Why am I doing this? Why? And when you do that, then you start to go, then it's not so hard. So if you need to make sacrifices, let's just say you're going out without your latte every day <laughs> and your why is because you want to pay your mortgage off in seven years instead of 15 then it doesn't feel like you're going without. It feels like it's empowering. Why is it with money it feels so big as in, you know, we can have a massive mortgage. You know, some people, I think it's on average, can have anywhere between four and $800,000 mortgages just, mm. just on an average house. Um, and it's like this, it's, it's not so much a life sentence, but it's like how do you ever bring down that? And it's when I look at books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was one of my first introductions to a, a different mindset around wealth, mm. um, right through to The Barefoot Investor mm. um, and looking at how we can do that with families. You know, these guys are thinking differently. And, and Susie Orman, another beautiful author that I loved following out of America, yes. these guys just have such a holistic way of looking at money. I'm curious as to why it didn't work for you in the schooling system. Is it? Why? When there's these big conversations around money and we're not educated and we need our kids to understand more, we need to understand more, why is it not embraced at that level, do you think? Yeah, because there's no money in it. <laughs> God. Essentially, at the end of the day, there's no money in it. And the the big, the big corporates were involved. So um, up until this year just gone, um, we used to have people like the Commonwealth Bank. Remember Dolomites used mm -hmm. to be around? You get a Dolomite account. So that was really just about our succession for them. So as the kids grow up, they just get used to having their Commonwealth Bank accounts. So then when they need a car loan or they need a credit card, they go to Commonwealth Bank. And so that was really just a marketing ploy for them. And then this year, um, the government's canned them and said no, no big corporates in any of our schools, which is the best thing. It's such a good, it's the start. So, um, and then there's, there's tendering around um, getting into schools now, but there needs to be really uh, a lot of independence around that education because otherwise, you know, I can go, I can go into a bunch of year 12s and convince them of all sorts of things. You know, they need to be in this particular share portfolio and you'll get a $5 kickback if you recommend a friend, you know, which is what's been happening with the majors. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Barefoot Investor, but I'm, I'm not a fan of him just flogging Vanguard index funds, um, which is what he's done. And the Vanguard index fund has grown exponentially since his books have come out. And people are investing into this without even knowing what it is um, because they will just do, they'll follow the people who they believe are telling them the truth and they'll just do what they say without understanding, you know, the concepts behind it. So it can be very dangerous and that's why the government have canned people like the CBA going into schools. So it is a, it's a whole minefield, but I do feel like we're just on the cusp of that. And as the children get older and they have access to more information from the internet and that sort of thing, um, we will see moves into different um, currencies 
i blockchain i'm not a i'm not a bitcoin <laughs> pusher <laughs> but um definitely blockchain technologies and that sort of stuff um moving to more of an automated i mean china's doing it at the moment significantly they've got their own digital currency that they're rolling out in tests everywhere to get rid of the yuan and um yeah so i i, I just think it's a it's it's going to be a a significant change going forward and the old school way that you know i studied finance money 101 um will change and you know why because we're dealing with things like we're down the barrel of facing negative interest rates you know and that, that's sort of unprecedented um just in the the respect that you know if you want to have money in the bank it's going to cost you whereas it, you know they'll be basically paying you to take a loan so um and that's 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 everywhere in other countries you know switzerland and places like that have already in negative interest rates japan so, you know, our, our world is changing quite rapidly. Um, and, you know, I study this for a living. I do it all day, every day. And I think that um, if we can canvas and cover off the basics of finance and what constitutes an investment, you know, how do you do you do, do, do diligence around that? <laughs> um, whether it's a share or it's a property or it's a business, um, you know, there are some just fundamental basics that people can learn and then they're not blindly trusting people. You know, they, they are empowered to understand a little bit more about the decisions that they're making. Just before I go to the next question, can you tell us a little bit and explain to us about this digital currency? We hear Bitcoin all the time. At first I thought it was a big scam. What's the blockchain that you're talking about? What is this whole thing? <laughs> oh, that's it. Well, it is a minefield. It's huge. Um, but so, so basically, it just falls into um, a b blockchain is just a very quick way to tr do a transaction. So instead of it, like, let, let's just look back on if you transfer money to someone's account, it used to take two to three days to clear. Now it pretty much clears overnight. And there's some ways that you can transfer it instantly. So if you just think of blockchain is a, a digital way that a transaction can happen instantly so that there's no um, clearing, there's no a wait time, you know, whether it's 10 minutes for the transaction to happen. That, that whole concept is perfect when we're talking about investing. So, for instance, if I'm looking at Forex markets, a foreign exchange, um, or buying and selling stock, Box. In that instant, I want to buy it at that exact share price or that exact put and call option price. Um, you know, there's no delay. So it happens instantly. Now, on the back of that technology, then you add in um, different kind of cryptocurrencies, which is diff just different ways to trade. Um, by creating new coin, digital coin, and you have something called a wallet, and you know you can tr you can exchange Australian dollars for Ripple, for instance, might be one of the cryptocurrencies, and there's literally hundreds and hundreds of cryptocurrencies now, and people. So, so if you think about, um, let's just say Bitcoin, you think about it as um, the Bitcoin was the Yahoo. And then Google comes along. The Bitcoin was MySpace and then Facebook come along. Um, so th it's just the first generation of coin that came in that made everybody kind of go, oh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. But it's what's, in my opinion, it'll be the next generation of currency coming through that might get picked up. 
And the difficulty in this sort of transactional arrangement is the government can't control it and they can't tax it at the moment. <laughs> That's why it's not popular. Um, as soon as they work out a way to do that and then whichever currency that that re represents, whether Australia does our Auscoin, you know, people are banding around that Australia will have its own coin like China's doing at the moment, and then you'll trade in Auscoin, you know, so um, rather than Australian dollars. So it's really just, um, and it, it's it's a really in depth conversation. But basically, that's all people really need to know that it is it is something that is coming. Um, but whether that's five years, ten years, fifteen years, who knows? Um, but in our lifetime, we'll definitely see a big move and change into more online uh, environments like that. Yeah, it's fascinating, and it mm. blows me away how quickly things are changing and how quickly. Um, you know, we, we're needing to keep up or at least be educated because also you mentioned it briefly just before. Um, sadly, it's, it's an interesting concept, but if I was to sell a beautiful retreat um, that had you come away and had four nights and five days of relaxation and beautiful food and education around that amazing vehicle called your body and your mindset. And it just gave you that breathing space to then go back into the real world so that you were a better human for it, more relaxed, more open and feeling better about yourself. That it takes a lot of work to market it, to convince people that's what's needed or that to convince them that they need to invest that money into themselves and see it as an investment, not an expense, yeah. as opposed to come along to the seminar, double your income, um, you know, I'm going to make you $100,000 and and it's just but the minute money comes up, it just seems to take over Everything else, it seems to become the priority and money seminars seem to be filled and multi-level marketing's growing unbelievably over the last few years. And it's just like money seems to be everything. Yet we all know, Jody, that without your health, there's no point in having a whole lot of money. Why is it? Is it because we see money as our financial ticket? Is it because we respect people that have a lot of money? Is it because people with a lot of money control the way we do things? What's the mindset around that? Mm. That's a powerful um, statement. I, I had questions. So definitely the latter, people with money control <laughs> how the rest of the world live um, because they've got the power to be able to do that. And whether we like it or we don't, that's the reality of it. And um, if you are in a situation where you do have a lot of money and you do have those powers, um, then uh <sighs> It's a whole different ball game. So, but if we're looking at, um, you know, just the the whole thing about filling sessions, and I, to be honest, I think that uh, you're in the health and wellness space. Uh, you live, breathe, need it, and you you educate yourself, and you have done for 20, 30 years, or whatever it is. Um, so, for you, it's a no brainer. But for the average bear who doesn't, you know, who just follows mainstream media and um, does what they're told and doesn't eat well and eats McDonald's and all of that sort of stuff, they are, they're not going to put health as a priority until they get sick. And then they still just look to the big farmers and their doctors who are just pushing solutions rather than going to the root cause of, you know, why did this problem occur in the first place? Those sorts of people, unless they have a massive mind shift, 
um, we, you, ca- you can't really appeal to those and they are going to follow the next shiny thing. So the next shiny thing is the promise of big returns and the, the promise that, you know, they might win lotto or the promise that they're going to retire and have yachts and whatever it is. Um, I, I think that we, our tribe is different. So my clients are incredible. Um, they focus on a lot of the holistic part of their lives. And you and I both know that when your health goes, it doesn't matter if you're the Queen of England. If you, I mean, I've got clients right now who are terminal cancers and all the money in the world does not buy them time and, and wellness, you know. So um, f- for me, I see that clear as day. And I also see through the marketing messages of, you know, those people that spread big property seminars and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, most of them are dodgy, but there are some pretty amazing ones too, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big question. It's a loaded question. Um, I think it comes down to who you surround yourself with most and the kind of people that you want to attract, um, in your world. And those will be those that, that put, um, priority around health because yeah, you're exactly right. If, and you know what, some of the, some of the wealthiest people I've ever met, um, don't prioritise wealth. It just happens for them because they're coming from different spaces. They're coming from a space to personally want to be successful, you know, like to feel like they're making a difference or they're innovative or, um, you know, they were clever enough to get onto something like domain names before domain names were even a thing. So, um, yeah, that's... Do you think there's luck then? when it comes to money and wealth? I, I actually believe there's an element of luck, right place at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's a, it's who you surround yourself with. Um, if you surround yourself with people who are, you know, um, negative, pessimistic, and um, they have no ambition, and you yet you're someone who is ambitious or, you know, who wants to do well for themselves, it's very hard to to um to be surrounded by you know supportive communities so i mean i guess that's why um things like the 28 community and all the self-love stuff that you do is so vital because if they're not getting it at home and they're not getting it from their friends they need to have a community where they get that support of like-minded people Let's talk about community then and the people you surround yourself with because there's a lot of people that always say, you know, you are the reflection of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. If community is so important and we know that we love to belong and we want to feel like we actually um, have a tribe or a community of people that we really do fit in with, you yourself run a number of different community events and different community online programs because one of your biggest passions is to see women excel in this field Mm. and to do it not for themselves to take away, but like you said at the beginning, that whole philanthropic side of things, which I totally relate to, is just as much being philanthropic to be able to pass your son 50 bucks when he's going back to Brisbane or to be able to, you know, buy your daughter a couch when she moves into a new house or, you know, I'm not saying we have to give our kids everything, but it is one of the most greatest joys I get is is being able to provide. And one of my biggest wishes is to, and I'm sure many of us have had it, that to turn around and say to your mum, your mortgage is paid off or to buy your sister a house or whatever. Um, 
talk to us a little bit about the way you educate people and how you create communities so that we do feel more empowered around financial wealth and creation. Yeah, so um, so I have courses that I keep really cheap and affordable um, so that everybody can access them. And um, everything from, you know, um, people who really need something for free and a, and a place to start, you know, like decluttering and how to do a budget, right through to those that actually want to know about why do our fuel prices change? You know, what's happening in world oil prices that reflects our fuel prices? And what is a derivative? And what is, you know, the, the ASX or what is the Dow Jones? So, um, and, and you just cater for the different um, learning styles, you know, who wants to learn what because it all starts with some really basic fundamentals right and then we grow on that like anything else I know with you with your health and wellness you'll say just start with these simple things and don't try and you know eat the whole elephant just little bite-sized chunks well not in your case (laughs) but um (laughs) being a non-meat eater but um yeah it's it's that sort of thing so I just take everybody back to the basics and then you do the basics well and everything else takes care of itself. And I know that sounds silly, but it really does. So it's like um, if a footballer loses loses his form, his or her form, the coach will make them go back to just throwing passes, just doing the basics. Um, so if you can get the basics under control, then we start to say, okay, well, if, if we just stick with this basic, so it might be um, I go to work, I earn this sort of money, I know that um, on my, I've done my budget. I put this much into here, here, and here, and then I have fifty dollars a week left over. Um, what do I do with that fifty dollars? So then, the basics might be: well, I've you know spoken to Jody, and the most prudent thing to do is put it against my mortgage. And at the moment, so and but the what the why is what we come back to. Why would you do that? Because if it's just fifty dollars a week, then you're going to go. Oh, this is so you know we're getting nowhere um and but if you've done the figures then you'll say no no this $50 a week means that I'm paying off my home in you know 12 years instead of 17 years and at the end of that 12 years what does that mean well that means that the kids are out of high school we own our own home and then what are we going to do well then you know halfway through that we might unlock some equity to do something with it um so and you just need to have a plan so and that just comes down to education and how on earth do you do that? So then that $50 a week isn't um, boring and like a ho-hum. This becomes uh, something exciting, you know, um, because we in five years we're going to do this. In seven years we're going to do that. In 10 years. So what I tend to do is go through people's timelines with them and say, okay, well, when did you want to retire? Because most people don't even think about that. They just go one day in the future. Um, when do you need to upgrade your cars? What kind of holidays do you want? And so you plan it all out like you're in a business and then we reverse engineer it. So what do we need in order to get to there? And then it's not a half-baked decision, we'll, you know, wait until I'm earning more money before I make this decision. It's like, no, 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 we need to be planning now so that if that happens, we'll do this. If this happens, we'll do that. Um, and that's the, that's my whole premise on providing education because then you're not blindly trusting people. You're excited about the outcomes like, oh, my God, this actually is possible. It's like when you book a, an international trip and you book it two years out and you think, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to be able to pay for that trip. 
but you make a plan and you work out how long it's going to take and how much money each week you need to put aside. And it just seems like it's forever away. And you get a little bit excited about it, but it's too far away. And then all of a sudden it's on your doorstep and you're headed to the airport to go on this incredible trip. That wouldn't have happened had you not thought about it, planned for it, saved for it, and then made it happen. And I think that that's what a lot of us forget to do is to to look ahead financially and go, what else is possible? What else could we be doing? What What's the stuff that ticks the boxes and gives us goosebumps and makes life fun? You are so right. And you're giving me goosebumps just thinking about it. When I've done my big ticket tour groups overseas to Paris and Provence, for instance, I let people know two years out so that we save. And my goodness, it comes around quicker than you think. And the planning and the lead up and the build. And then you know what? The absolute sheer gratification and self-pride you have in actually reaching that milestone and then enjoying it for what it is. I'm getting the essence from you that when it comes to wealth, and economic um, understanding that this is a process. It's not, there is, it's not overnight. This is not, you know, take a punt, place your money down on all black and then all of a sudden you've won. It's it's never the lottery. And yes, I, I get that there's the odd exception to the rule where someone does chance it and amazing and it's all of that sort of thing. But I do also recall many years ago, there was a New Zealand company called Pumpkin Patch. It was a children's clothing brand. And I remember being at an event and hearing the CEO of that company, the founder and creator of that company, stand up and deliver her speech. And she was amazing because, you know, Pumpkin Patch had stores. They even had stores over here at one point, but they had, you know, a whole massive chain, probably a bit like Lorna Jane. And she stood up there and she said, you know, it's fascinating. I stand up here in front of you all with a multi, multi-million dollar company and she said, you know, I started in my backyard. My husband and I would, and my mum would come in and do the packaging and we'd wrap it up in the first print or the first, you know, prints that they had on the clothing that went out. Um, it all ran and they had to recall the first lot of products that went out. And she just said it cost them tens, if not hundreds of thousands. And she said, I stand here today, you know, 15 years down the track and most people would say I'm an overnight success, but you're looking at 15 years of trial and tribulation and ups and downs and midnights and, and all of that. And we all look at success and we all look up to it and go, oh, they're so lucky, they're so blessed, and all think that they just won the golden lotto ticket. Yeah. What would you say to that conversation? Uh, well, I see it anecdotally all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, and especially the older I'm getting, you know, um, and I'm in the privileged position where I get to see people's personal financial situation as well so um and i and i know people personally who have been to hell and back they've had their backs against the wall and you know like yourself a, a success story that if somebody was to read your story now they would go oh wow she's running a you know international business and and everything is rosy you know um it's it's a matter of perception i think in a lot of cases um people get embarrassed to share their financial situation I, don't, I, I, um, yeah, I think that's probably the crux of it. People get embarrassed to share where they where they've come from, and it's not until they get where they're going or where they think they're going that then they'll share it. But I think that there's a real raw honesty to be able to say, "Hey, I'm not where I want to be," and and to reach out and say, "Well, where do you want to be?" And those overnight successes, you know, I, I'm a massive TEDx fan and reading people's biographies because 
um, they bear their heart and soul on those pages or when you're listening to them about the times that, that's tough, you know, when their backs are against the wall and they're struggling to make sense of why this has happened or, you know, what's happening in their world. And we can learn a lot from that. Um, we can learn a lot from other people's journeys, which is why I talk about what, you know, my life um, because people get a lot out of it. And it helps them make decisions or not not feel so bad about their own <laughs> situation. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's, it's um it's a good question. I I just think that we need to lead by example and take people like that um, and use them as role models to you know like Pumpkin Patch is a classic example because they've you know they they've not done particularly well lately, and it'll be interesting to see how they rebound back. You know. Um, it's always, I, I, I like to think it's not what happens to you, but it's how you react to it. So in my situation, how I recover from it. Um, and I've just been through a divorce. So even just how I pick myself up, dust myself off and go again, uh, says a lot about who you are as a person. Um, yeah, and I think that those sorts of examples are really important for the rest of us to, to realise that there is hope, there's, you know, uh, something beyond it. Back to your original thing that you said with with hope, there is there is real ability to create. Um, exactly. I, you know, let's talk quickly about COVID and what yeah. it's done to people. Um, you know, thankfully we've had a government maybe turn around with job keeper and job seeker here in Australia. Maybe yeah. you know, I've seen the property market just just skyrocket, and I even oh, yeah. saw on the news last night that the Gold Coast is seeing signs of of massive growth that they've never ever seen in the past with yeah. a lot of interstaters moving and all that sort of thing. Um, the other word that I associate with COVID is pivot. You know, how many of us are learning to pivot and do things differently or think differently and not panic and all of those sorts of things. Could you give us an overview as to what you think from a financial um, perspective as to what COVID's done to us or doing to us and maybe is there a silver lining in all of this? Yeah, so being um, solutions-focused, I'm always going to look for the silver lining, although um, we are headed into an economic downturn because of COVID. So, you know, the whole world has experienced this and we are reasonably protected, Australia and New Zealand, because of a few things, but one mainly um, our stock markets weren't fakely inflated after the GFC, so not like China and the US where um, they had this thing called share buybacks. So their stock market has gone through the roof um, but it's not sustainable in the long term. So there'll be some sort of correction coming. And I would say that's off the back of things like March when they stop the JobKeeper. You know, things will start to hurt more. And the reality of where we are having nobody in, um, you know, shopping centres and, and nobody in the high-rises in Brisbane City and all of that sort of stuff, that's when it's going to start to hurt. Again, reasonably protected here in Queensland because people from Sydney and uh, Melbourne are keen to, to make their way north and a lot of the... Uh, Real estate agents I talk to, people are buying houses sight unseen for more than the asking price at the moment. So that's a really good buoyant sign, but that's also a sign that, you know, we have record low interest rates, so you can borrow to get into the market, you know, at ridiculous levels. Um, and it's more expensive often to rent than it is to have a mortgage against the property. It's just whether or not, you know, people have that capacity. But then a lot of people access their supers, you know, 20 grand each, and so that, that use that as a deposit towards a house. So the the 
balance of money flowing out of the stock market and into the property market will be there. So in six to 12 months' time, we'll be able to look back and go, how did that play out? Um, the pivot thing for businesses is incredible, um, but not everybody's been able to pivot. You know, some people were already sailing really close and, and on thin ice before COVID hit. So um, for them to suffer the cash flow, there's going to be a lot of businesses that won't be able to recover. And if you start looking at the bigger picture, it sounds very negative, but, you know, there's a lot of vacant shops. There's a lot of big businesses that have gone under and had to sell off or be condensed. And, and that all sort of comes with moving to more of an online space. Um, and I think people's uh, perceptions on life have changed a little bit. You know, all of a sudden, um, you know, for those people that live in units, they realise that they don't want to live in a unit, that they might like a veggie patch. Um, and so the, the expansion out into the suburbs when people realise they don't have to do the train commute for an hour into town when they can work from home, um, that directly correlates to people who are running businesses who think, well, why would I spend four or 500 grand a year on leasing office space in Brisbane? when I can just ha have everybody externalised. So we're going to see those flow-on effects over the next couple of years, I think. Um, and there's obviously a great divide in the US at the moment and they're our global superpower. So whatever happens with them going forward is going to be fairly significant. So we're in a massive period of change. Um, and when I talk to people, I just reassure them, like change is actually a really good thing and it might feel overwhelming and it might feel like it's too much, but we look for the solutions and we look for the positives in it because there is massive positives and there's more millionaires made in downturns than there ever is in upswings. So we start to think ahead, like how will the world look? What is, we won't be returning to how it used to be and so people who don't um, adapt to change easily might struggle a little bit through this period of the next couple of years. Um, but if you can just, I, I call them change agents. <laughs> just consider yourself a change agent. Like I embrace change. I love it. I thrive off it. Um, how can I maximise the opportunities that come with being a change agent? And for those people that follow your your wellness journey, Kimmy, you you encourage this. Like it's the positive little changes that we make to our family and it's those little things that, um, that you know, bite-sized chunks, little changes each day create huge ripple effects. So if you consider yourself a change agent, that's what you're looking for. You, you're, you're looking to help people move away from Big Pharma and more back to health and wellness. You know, we're looking for people to move away from commercialised corporate big business and move back to heart space and heart-centred decision-making and, you know, um, yeah, I could go oh, on. I love it. I love it. You're speaking You're speaking to all of our hearts right now and I'm really grateful. And you know I could speak to you for ages and I appreciate yeah. your time so much. But I do want to give you a plug, my love, and I would really love you to share with us um, any upcoming programs or online things for like your rich mum thing or your groups or your tribes. What things are you have you got on offer now for the person listening going, I need more of her? Yeah, so I am. Um, so I have the Rich Mum program, which is just, um, you know, it's under $50. I can't even remember now. I think it's like 39 or something. I just don't even look at it. But, um, and people love that because they become a part of a community and a group and they can ask questions. But 
Um, the thing that I, I find quite helpful is I have economic updates. So once a month um, I do the Zoom calls where I get on with everybody and we just go through what's happening in the world, you know, and in that I can talk to them about what is the Dow Jones, what is the S&P 500, how on earth does that affect us, you know, what's happening to oil prices and how does that affect the Bowser at home here in Australia? You know, what does negative interest rates mean and what should I do with my mortgages? And I find that people subscribe to that. So that, that's 47 a month and that just allows them the opportunity to check me out first <laughs> and, and learn, you know, over a period of months. My clients get that service as part of them being a client. But um, And then, you know, they, they don't ever have to come on board as a client. They might have their own advisors already, but it also allows them to, to learn something maybe from me that then they can take to their advisor and say, well, I've heard about this, what do you think? Um, over time, those little bits of information and that learning doesn't put big pressure on people, but it gets them excited about what they are able to do in their world. And um, it also allows them to check me out over a period of six to 12 months or however long and follow on Facebook, Jody Nolan, because um, a lot of people interact with me there. I have journalists and politicians and all sorts of people that challenge my views on the geopolitical environment. Um, I write for Trading Edge magazine as their expert commentator on geopolitical matters. And um, in the latest uh, uh, magazine, which is just in news agents now, I've written what's happening for Biden and Trump going forward. You know, I think Donald Trump's going to create himself a, a media empire out of all this. Um, but, yeah, so and it just gives you an as, uh, access to information and a tool and a forum and a place to ask questions that, that you don't have to commit to anything. Um, and you can learn and then, um, yeah, do with it what you want with the information. But I find that that works really well. People really enjoy that. And, yeah, and especially if you're starting out, you know, it's such a, it's a tax-deductible thing too and, um, and it gives you an opportunity without spending thousands to see an advisor, to be in front of an advisor, to ask questions and, yeah, it's empowering people. Mm. You're amazing and I'm really grateful for what you do. And, you know, you're an author as well. We had the privilege of writing a book all together many years ago called Read My Lips. Yeah. You've also written the book Surviving the Storm and you are on a number of expert panels. And yeah. I know you've been involved in a number of things, particularly with your knowledge with having a thesis in, yeah. and your Masters of Business in Applied Finance. I just... I don't know, I just find you so fascinating. And every time I ask one question, you realize, one, how much I don't know, but secondly, how much there is to know. And thirdly, that there's always a positive slant, which I really, really appreciate. Um, as we come to a close, sweetheart, um, just wanted to double check, Jody Nolan, J-O-D-I-E-N-O-L-A-N, that's it yep. on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and your website, could you just give us your website? Yeah, it's Equus. So think of horse, Equus, E-Q-U-I-S, Equus Group, and then wealthmanagement.com. It's a big Equus long one. Equus Group, wealthmanagement.com. I'll put it all in the show notes. But Yeah, if you just Google my name, it comes up anyway. Yeah, it does. I've seen that, my love. Um, you know, you're blonde, you're blue-eyed. You are proof mm. that blondes not only have a lot of fun, but they're actually highly intelligent beings, she says, <laughs> being a blonde herself. Um, <laughs> sweetheart, if there was a favourite quote of yours, what would that be for you in this moment? Um, so we can get caught up with 
everything becoming overwhelming, especially in a news orientated, you know, divisive sort of environment. And then we don't know. Um, it all seems too hard. You know, so uh, a quote that I have on my desk, which I, I look at quite often, is Nelson Mandela's, it always seems impossible until it's done. Mm-hmm. So something that I like to say to people is, what else is possible? What else can we be doing here? It might be something like mitigating risk. It might be, how else can we save your family home? How else can we earn more money? How else can we retire you earlier? How else can we increase, you know, cash flow or bottom line to your business? Um, so I'm always asking what else is possible. And so this quote, it, it always seems impossible until it's done. And so even if you look back at, your, you know, your big overseas holidays, it kind of feels, ah, oh, that's such a good thing. I'd love to be able to do that, but, uh, you know, probably impossible. No, it's, you know, it is possible. So that's just um, it always seems impossible until it's done. And then you look back and go, wow, we did that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone trying to lose 25 kilos or someone trying to reverse heart disease or, you know, someone trying to Run a get a deposit for a house. Run a marathon. Oh, look at you. You did that easily, though. <laughs> no. You've done it numerous times easily. <laughs> it wasn't easy. I, I did guess. a half marathon. It nearly killed me. <laughs> the point is you did it, right? And every one of us is running our own marathon, right. what, no matter what the distance. And it's just a case of how well we, oh, we run through the walls and how well we pick up with our sore bodies and how well we, as you said, respond and, and then look for what's possible and, and the silver lining. There's always a lesson in hindsight when we look back. Might not feel like it while we're in the middle of it, but my goodness, is there always something? And I love your question of why, because whenever something does happen, one of the things I go to is why. And even if I don't know the answer, it creates that really nice, curious mindset. Why didn't I learn that? What What do I need to learn now? Why am I being shown this right now? You know, I love all those questions that that you've taught me so well. Is there a final message to all of these beautiful listeners from you, my dear Jodie? You know what, if I could just say one thing, it would just be to to just have hope that where you are right now, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, um, that next week is better, next month is better, the following year is better, um, and we're always just on this growth thing. So um, it's just a, a journey, it's a process, um, so have hope in your heart. That's the, probably the first thing. The second thing is um, is don't give money that energy, that you find the energy you want to give it and, and adopt that headspace, that mindset, that every single time you see money in your wallet, be grateful for it. Every single time you catch yourself thinking, oh, I can't afford that or, oh, my God, there's that bill, catch yourself and just say, Okay, I'm putting this negative energy into a bill that just is. Um, so just, yeah, just keep catching yourself on those sorts of things. That small process creates a ripple effect, which will be profound. Um, I often ask people to diarise when they heard this and, um, and then just to be really conscious of it and then see what the difference is how much, you know, what changes in their world over the period of a month? Do they feel less stressed about money? Um, do they find that something else is happening? You know, like it's um, it's coming to them in different areas. So, yeah, it's, it's profound when you realise that 
you're giving money, wealth, finances, this this energy that it doesn't need. Jodie Nolan, you're a dream. I look forward to sharing you in the self-love and wellness mentorship program with a masterclass with you. I look forward to sharing this podcast with the world. And I certainly hope you will get on to Facebook and go into the Equus Group Wealth management.com <laughs> webpage. I had it written here and I couldn't read my own writing. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I really want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing this. I know it's a massive topic, but you've brought love and light to it and you really are a shining light for so many of us. Jodie Nolan, thank you for being on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.